The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Greetings, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher, and you're listening to the New Age Christian Podcast. This is episode number five, and today we're going to talk about money. Uh, I don't know about you, but tithing and the discussion around it for me for years has been kind of a hot button and something that the moment I hear preachers or teachers talk about it, I just want to roll my eyes and walk out. I don't know if you feel this way, but I know for me, when I think of God and I think of money, I cannot separate all of the manipulation and the pain and the sense of self-worth or lack thereof. And there's got to be a better way to look at this. Money is a massive part of our culture. Money is, is a massive part of our lives. And it should be in this conversation. But as usual, I think there's a few different ways to think about it. And uh, hopefully you'll learn a few things and maybe find some freedom. And let's get going. All right, here we are, episode number five. And as you heard in that intro, we're going to talk about money. I uh, hope that you're not already rolling your eyes and uh, <laughs> that you understand uh, if you've listened to the previous episodes to this point, uh, hopefully you're kind of excited to maybe hear something a little bit different about uh, this subject. It's really interesting to me that when you when you hear about money in church, I think at least in the Western culture, you, you really have two primary uh, reactions. You get people who have swallowed that pill and they have said, yes, I need to give my money and I need to show some version of honor, respect, worship, uh, duty. Uh, that's a big one for people. Uh, and then you have the other group that just says, why does money even need to be in this conversation? It seems completely uh, detached from my spiritual journey. And, you know, I, you see a lot of use of the money by churches and communities that gets abused. And, you know, I mean, some of the most well-read articles, um, by the world, uh, about the church are when something comes out about how much Joel Olstein makes or how much, you know, uh, the, the, <laughs> what's the Jesse Duplantis's 21st plane or whatever it is. I don't know how many planes you need. You can only be in one place at one time. But anyway, um, so that stuff just, you know, it's loaded with uh, landmines everywhere, especially for non-believers, especially for non-Christians. And then you have that group of people that are so convinced that if you do not tithe I was in my research for this particular podcast, I came across a website and I've heard the idea so many times, but when I actually see somebody writing it, it just kind of shocks me sometimes. But it, uh, the title or the, the opening line of this particular blog was, today we're going to talk about why you get parking tickets and why you get fender benders or why you have hospital bills 
because it's God taking his fair share out of your life. And so you have this group of people that are so, I don't even, I don't even know what word to use. Um, they're local. They're absolutely crazy that God needs your money to the point where he's going to break your leg. They literally think God needs your money. And if you don't give it to him by free will, he will take it from you. And all of these extra expenses for your car and your, and your speeding tickets is because God is taking his fair share. And I mean, what, what, what? Like, seriously, like, he's, is it mobster? Like, I mean, seriously, God, he's, he's got the mob squad out for you and he's going to take it. And so I haven't met a whole lot of people that are kind of in between these two camps of thoughts. They either think it's an absolute joke and the manipulation and all that um, is just ridiculous, or they think God absolutely has to have it. Um, now, sure, not everybody thinks he's a mobster, but, uh, you know, it's rare to find people who are in the middle and haven't really kind of made a decision because money is honestly where our heart is. Jesus says that. Where your treasure is there, your heart is also. And, and contextually, he's very much talking about money. So, and, and at the end of this, we'll, we'll talk about reciprocity and what's really the goal of this discussion. But I wanted to put it as the fifth episode into this series because you can imagine, you know, Two years from now, when there's over a hundred episodes, and and new people are stumbling stumbling across New Age Christianity, and they say, "Well, let me start at the beginning." Um, I want it to be known right up front what I think about money, and what and how I see it playing into uh, anything that the church is doing in the coming New Age of Christianity. Uh, it's it's absolutely a non negotiable part of life, and if you even look at the the way humanity works and the systems from just from a function standpoint, we have to have systems of value of exchange. And I have a degree in international finance. Um, so money for me actually comes from a very informed standpoint. I'm very informed about cryptocurrencies and foreign currencies and the economic systems. So I don't come to this with just a, spiritual mumbo jumbo pastor mindset i i come from even a very practical how do we how does humanity deal with money going forward um so the first thing i want to do is if you're if you come from the christian world then you have been likely uh, beat over the head with the idea of tithing uh, i have some very close people who i know listen to this podcast who when i first met them a few years ago uh, the discussion of tithing was very near and dear to their heart because they really they really appreciated um, being able to give and being able to honor teachers. And I've been on the receiving end of their giving, and it's been beautiful. Um, and yet I've had probably a majority of the, the people that I've taught over the years. Um, because I have certain opinions of tithing, it's not really giving in general has not really been a major part of the discussion. And it's been a disservice on my part as a teacher to, with my disdain for the old concept of tithing, I think I have unfairly uh, portrayed that giving and generosity doesn't par uh, play a part in your spiritual journey. So first, we need to set the record straight. 
on what tithing really was. And I'm not going to say is because I right up front do not believe tithing has anything to do with the world we currently live in. But if you've been in church and you've, and you've even remotely heard of uh, donations and giving and all that, you've probably heard the word tithe, which in theory means 10%. But that is an English translation of some Jewish concepts from the Old Testament. So here's the facts. One, that the Old Testament concept of tithing is quite uh, intricate. It is not easily understood. You have to study it, and it's not a simple 10%. Let me give you some examples. So in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 14, verses 22 through 29, you have uh, one of the major sections that talk about giving. And this section, it actually says so, and it's one of the tithes, and it's the tithe that has to do with celebration. So in the celebration tithe, you take a tenth of your uh, crops and your increase every year, and you set it aside. And then every three years, that tenth goes to the priests because they didn't have land and they didn't have an inheritance with the people of Israel. So you take 10% of your crops and you set them aside every year. And every three years, you give them, give that 10% to the priests. So it's really one third of 10%. So, you know, 3.33% of your uh, if you if you annualized it and you made it, you know, what do I give every year? It's literally 3.33% is what you actually give for the priest. And that is for the celebration. And the point was that, uh, at the, that you would actually use the other two thirds for yourself. And you were, inc- you were told, not just encouraged, you were told to use that two thirds. So over a three year period, two thirds of it, was for you and one third was for the priest. And you were told to use that two thirds to buy wine and drink and meat and presents and actually enjoy and party and feast. So literally celebration was a commandment from the father. And he wanted the Levites to be able to celebrate as well. So there was a portion of that that was given to them, but two thirds of it was for you and your family. That's why the Middle Eastern cultures, if you're familiar with any, especially, you know, those who are more engaged with the older traditions, they know how to party because celebration and feasting and, and ritual and, and that kind of value has always been, um, and that family connection is a huge part of who they are. So, and that was just the celebration tithe. Then you have the general tithe, which is really the one that everyone it's kind of what everyone thinks it is. And for this, the sakes of this discussion, I'll say it is. It's 10% of everything goes to the Levites because, once again, they didn't have their own land. They didn't have their own. That was their job. And, then the, and now consider this. 10% was essentially a tax. Because when you're living in a theocratic nation or in a nation that's run by the church, how does the church pay for things? Well, you give them 10%. So fast forward into our democratic, you know, our republic run world. 
you pay freaking 30% in taxes or wherever your tax bracket is, which is way higher than 10%. And then you're supposed to pay another 10% to the church, which isn't running the government and everything like that. You, you, you can see really quick how even having a, a tithing discussion really breaks down when you're not in a Jewish context. We don't understand that that 10%, that general tithe, was literally how their government was run. The priests were the judges, right? The priests were the lawyers. The The priests were the ones that, that handled social uh, ritual. They handled social programs. And uh, that 10% went to run their government. So that, that 10% that they're talking about really is equivalent in modern day to your taxes. So you have your general, I'll call it a general tax or a general tithe. Then you had your celebration tithe. And then you had a few other small categories, which in, depending on who you talk to and how you research it, are called tithe or giving or whatever. But you have uh, one big one is the, uh, the heave offering or in Hebrew it's called the teruma. Now this is one that I, that I believe uh, really should find room in your heart. Um, not because I am a teacher and because it would quote unquote benefit me, um, but because the law of reciprocity, which we will end with, really shows you that when you honor your teachers and when you honor the priest, quote unquote, um, you're putting you're putting your heart you're putting your treasure where your heart is in theory. The teruma was essentially a voluntary gift to the priests. And it was anywhere from 140th to 150th to 160th of your increase, of your annual increase. And so uh, modern day, there's, a, there's different calculators online that typically put it at 140th. And that was essentially a free will gift to go to the priest and say thank you. And it was meant directly for the priest. It wasn't for the, the church. It wasn't for the social programs. It was directly for that, that individual one that you gave it to. So, you know, it was your local, your teacher, your, your leader. And it was a, a encouragement. Some might, you know, depending on how you read it, it was a law. But that was an aspect of, of another giving. And then last, you also have the two other aspects around inheritance and alms. So alms, giving alms to the poor was also encouraged, and there were percentages around that, but even those discussions, if you go to the time of Jesus, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees having questions for Jesus about giving were largely about what those amounts should be, because there, was there wasn't agreement on what giving should look like. And then inheritance, you hear Jesus talking about how the Pharisees would do all of these ties and all these offerings, and yet they would neglect their parents, right? Because inheritance was also a part of the discussion of, of how you're supposed to handle your money. So in total, if you want to talk about a tithe, then first you need to talk about a minimum of 23%, right? And depending on where you look, some would even say up to 30%, 33%. Um, it's way more than 10%. So all of those pastors out there and church leaders, if you want to follow the law, then follow the whole law, as Paul says. Don't just follow part of it. Don't follow the part that's convenient for your pocketbook. Sorry, not to be too, uh, too blunt, but follow the part that says, 
they should party and they should celebrate and that there should be a value, a voluntary value, and maybe consider the fact that there is a tax system in our country because we're not a theocracy. And so I'm going to be, you know, if you haven't already figured out, I think tithing is a convenient, a convenient truth for modern day church leaders that um, it, it's a really easy way to kind of manipulate and keep people, uh, keep people as professional Christians. And if you've uh, heard my podcast to this point and, and read my blogs, I used to be a professional Christian. I was a pastor. I was a paid studier, a paid learner. And while I have no problem with people making income, heck, I make income off of this podcast. I provide value for people. Um, it's the manipulation, right? If you want to voluntarily get into a system where you're paying 10% of your income to your pastor or your church, I have zero problem with that. And there's many churches that do not manipulate. There's many churches that that leave that freedom and they try to teach like I'm teaching now. Um, they try to convey truths and principles, but they don't do it through manipulation. And to those, I want to, you know, standing ovation. Well done. Because it's really easy to try to, well... I would really like a new TV for Christmas, so if I can just preach one more tithing message, you know, and manipulate another few thousand dollars out of that offering, I might get a Christmas bonus from the church board. Um, that's a thing. I've seen it. And if you've been in the inner workings of a church, it happens. You know, Jesus turning over the tables in the temple with the money changers, the manipulation of money and the manipulation of people's righteousness for money and people's favor for money, that God's going to put you and give you a car accident if you don't give me, you know, give me or give the church your $500 this week so that you don't have to pay your $500 deductible next week. Like there's people sitting in churches every Sunday morning that hear that crap. And it is, it is a load of crap. And here is where I get into the second major point. And for me, it's kind of the most important. You have this idea that uh, manipulative slash um, wiggled out, like, let me, let me wiggle out of being under the law because I'm a, I'm a modern, I'm a new covenant Christian. I'm a new covenant pastor. And I know that the law is no longer applicable, but I'm going to point to the fact that Abraham paid tithes before the law ever existed. And you're right, he did. He paid tithes to Melchizedek out of his increase, which is a whole nother discussion. You know, do you pay tithes out of what you got as a raise or do you get pay tithe out of what you make every year? I'm not going to get into that. That's that's kind of a an even deeper level of technicality that you won't find solid answers to. But yes, Abraham did pay 10% of the spoils of his increase from uh, raiding the Valley of the Kings to Melchizedek. Great. He did that before the law. And so you have a whole concept that says tithing was pre-law. Therefore, it is a principle found in Abraham. Therefore, we should still be doing it. Well, here's the thing. There's another thing that Abraham did that was before the law called circumcision. And if you go to the New Testament and you read what Paul says about circumcision, it becomes abundantly clear that the same way that circumcision is trying to put people back under the law, I would say tithing is exactly like trying to put people back under the law. 
you, you <laughs> I mean, Paul, if you don't know the familiar, if you're not familiar with the scriptures, um, Paul in Galatians 5, verses 1 through 12, I'm actually going to read this. Um, this is Galatians 5, 1 through 12. I'm reading from the New American Standard. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. And he's talking about slavery to the law and rules and regulations. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Guys, you've fallen from grace if you try to go back under these rules. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting in the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You were running so well, Galatians, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. And I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. And by the way, the NASB makes that a very nice and kind phrase, mutilate themselves. If you go actually to the Greek, Paul literally says, if you don't know what circumcision is, the removal of the foreskin from the penis. And he literally says, I wish that those people who are telling you to get circumcised would just go chop the whole thing off. That they would emasculate themselves. Um, So he's saying, if you want to freaking do the law, do it all. And you have to do it all. And you might as well just chop everything off because you've made the entire cross pointless. You've made Jesus' sacrifice pointless. And you have now said, I can earn my way to heaven by being a good person. Which is what the law is. And it's a lie. The law was literally given to us to show us that we couldn't. Right? And that earning your way to heaven is, is exactly the opposite of identifying that you already are the children of God. You already are righteous. You already are his offspring. And so if you want to talk about tithing, fine. But throw in the same discussion regarding circumcision. And because Paul very, very clearly makes his case against circumcision... You won't find a single pastor who says that everyone needs to be circumcised to be righteous because Paul clearly lays it out. But you'll find most pastors say you need to tithe to be righteous. And yet it's the same discussion. It is the same argument when you look at it from the lens of, well, Abraham did it. Oh yeah, Abraham got circumcised as well. So I want to try to get through the Bible stuff as quickly as possible. Um, I know there's a lot of people who didn't grow up with these concepts. They didn't grow up with these lies or these misconceptions. So moving past the Bible stuff and getting into the principles of giving and the principles of uh, donations. I mean, at the, I, at, you know, at the end of these episodes, I say, hey, please consider donating. Um, hopefully you don't feel that's manipulation because it's certainly not intended to be. It's simply a request for you to ask the Spirit should I give? And that is the principles that I believe carry through. And the Old Testament has some really cool ideas. 
One is my favorite idea that, that when I studied this years ago was that God actually wants you to have a party. God actually wants you to celebrate. He wants you to have a good time and he wants you to save up for holidays, um, the, uh, the feast days and all of the special parties, essentially, that the Jews had. They had a lot of them. And it was, you know, there was some that were huge. I mean, these these three-day drinking, eating, laughing, giving presents. I mean, we have done a very poor job of conveying God's value for celebration and joy as, as the church. Uh, we have turned those things into these obligations, and yet... Uh, if you go, like I said, go to go to mis- Middle Eastern cultures where you have families that are still connected to their traditions, and they all know how to party, and they party, and they love it, and they, and I think in the Western culture, that's one of the big reasons why the family unit is has suffered such attack, because we've we've removed the joy out of being together a lot of times. Um, we're so work-oriented and, and get things done-oriented that just to sit back, relax, and spend $5,000 on a Christmas weekend is just insane. We do that on vacation, and that's part of it too, however you feel you need to do. But God cares about your f- having fun. And I think that's a pretty cool principle to bring through. And then the one that, you know, the, the inheritance concept, the alms concept, and the teruma, or the giving to your teacher concept... Those three largely being voluntary, um, I don't think anyone argues that um, laying up an inheritance for your children or giving to the poor or being thankful and grateful to those who teach you and, and, and you learn from, those are all great principles. But this is, this is not meant to be a pastoral session, but it is a question I want to ask you. When was the last time you really, really considered those three things, inheritance, giving to the poor, and honoring those who teach you? When was the last time you considered those things spiritually? When was the last time you, you considered what is that doing in you? Because if your money is literally just about a budget and you have budgeted well, let's say your $1,000 comes in and you've got your 100 bucks over here and your 50 bucks over here and all this other stuff. Um, and you've detached your heart. Not that you have to, but a lot of people have because, because budgets and automated systems keep us from connecting to our actions. And you, when you automatically have something come out of your paycheck and go to the government um, or something come out of your paycheck and go to your church, there's a really good chance that after a few months, you're just not even going to think about it. You're just going to assume, well, I'm doing my duty, whatever that duty is. And I would encourage you on at least these three things, your teruma or your giving, you know, also known as giving and appreciation towards your teachers, your in, in, in inheritance concepts and giving to the poor. I would encourage you to not automate those. Don't automate those out of your paycheck, but save them. Maybe automate them to savings automate them to a special account. But when you decide to give, how cool would it be to say, I'm going to set aside this so much for this category 
and I don't know when I'm going to spend it. But whenever the spirit leads me, then I'll give whatever is, is led to give. I've, uh, my wife and I have done this for years, especially when we were uh, doing in years where we did really well financially. We would set aside an amount. And so that was somewhat automated. But in order to keep our heart connected to it, we wouldn't automatically spend it. We would save it and save it and save it and save it. And so one of our favorite things to do was wait until we found somebody who had a need. And often it was a friend who whose car broke down and it was an extra $500 they weren't planning on spending and we would be able to give it to them. Or it was a teacher who, uh, you know, we found out that they were going on vacation or they were taking a break and we'd, we'd love to give them a couple hundred dollars to, to go spend on that vacation. And there's different ways that each of you can do it and certainly be led by the Spirit. But staying connected to your giving keeps the spiritual power in it. And I think, I would like to think that is the whole point, is to stay in such a way in your life where everything you do is intentional. And in automation and and with all of this electronics, and we can easily detach ourselves from our actions and what we're doing. And when you do that with your money, you're essentially just asking to let it be abused and and to find yourself sowing your heart in the places you didn't intend. So the last thing, and it's really, as I keep I mentioned a few times, is the law of reciprocity. So what is all of this giving talk in New Age Christianity? You know, me as Austin Fletcher, I am the originator of this thing called New Age Christianity where it goes, how big it gets, I don't know. If this thing becomes the, another denomination or another classification of Christianity, then I imagine somewhere along the way, buildings would be built, people would be hired, and now you're introducing yourself to bills and mortgages. And you know, the, each of those groups were going to have to make those calls for themselves. And, you know, maybe this podcast or any of my writings on the subject will, you know, become uh, lost in time. But hopefully the culture that can come along with this concept is that giving is really about a universal law for reciprocity. And I wrote an article on it on the New Age Christian website um, called The Law of Reciprocity. And giving is really about one very simple thing, and that is value. So everything you are is energy. Everything, you know, quantum physics is proving that everything is energy. And your spiritual journey, your emotions, your thoughts, they're all energy. And money carries with it a very powerful energy, whether we want to admit it or not. If you don't like money, that's a very powerful energy. If you love money, it's a very powerful energy. If you're indifferent to money, that's actually even to me, it's one of the most powerful because it means you're trying to ignore it and which means it has all the power. But anyway, regardless of whatever it is in your life, it's a very powerful energy in our culture and it's a very powerful energy in our ability to do the things we want to do. And so money is really just another word of saying value. And now, if you change value and you, and you open up that concept and make it a bigger discussion, 
I would say there's really three primary forms of value that we can put on something. Money being one of them and probably the, the first. The second being our time, right? Because time is, is a limited resource. The richest people in the world still in the world still only have 24 hours a day, right? So that one's an interesting uh, measure of value that we all get to spend equally. And how we choose to spend it is a fascinating thing to watch. And then the third one is heart or commitment. And the reason I separate that from time and money is because uh, there's no accounting for what do you meditate on while you're watching TV or while you're, while you're at work or are, are, are you meditating on these different projects and these different things that you value? You know, if I'm editing this podcast and, I, and I'm meditating on uh, the next thing I want to teach, I'm putting value even just in my, my thought process and I may, doing, may be doing something else with my time. And something else with my money, but I'm doing another thing with my with my thought and my creative capacity. So, money, time, and commitment or heart. Uh, to me, those are the three value forms that we put into things that really show what it is that you're that you're committed to. And why is that important? Because a universal law of reciprocity requires that if you want to get something out or back from what you're showing your value into, it will be directly proportionate to how much value you sell. You can kick against this all you want. I did. I did for years. I thought, I don't need to sell money into these things because I'm going to get the value out of it and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to keep reading books and reading this and reading that. And I'm going to get as many free resources as I can. And I'm going to get as many free uh, teachings as I can and all that. Now, I was sowing commitment and time. But for me, I really stayed away from the whole money thing because of my history with tithing and, and all the manipulation and everything like that. But when I realized that for me, especially in the years where I wasn't doing well financially, money was actually the most difficult thing for me to sow. I actually realized, oh my gosh, that's the thing I have the most value on because it's the thing that is hardest for me to give away. And so if you want to get the most out of these teachings or you want to get the most out of a new skill you're learning or you want to get the most out of a new job, give the value system that is the most difficult for you to give. Let me explain. I don't know how many of you have have wealthy family or friends that are Christians. Um, I know there's there's entire churches that are built on this this uh, style of community where as long as you give your money, you can live the life you want and everything like that and you're still going to go to heaven, right? Because I give to the church all the time. I tithe to the church all the time. Some of these older systems are, are very much very much tied to the how much you give. Heck, if you go back to the, to the Catholic concept of uh, indulgences, you know, uh, you can buy people's salvation if you give enough money type of thing. So the potential to think, well, I have a lot of money. I'll just buy my way into heaven 
as a really subconscious and natural thing for people who have money. And so they go to church and they give their offering and they give their money and they think, well, now God's happy with me. Yet you'll find that these are the same people because they have a lot of money. They're probably really busy, right? They're, they're busy professionally. And if you ask them for 10 minutes of their time or maybe an hour of their time, suddenly it's impossible to get them to give. Hey, rich guy. <clears throat> Thank you for your money. How about coming down to the soup kitchen and giving an hour of your time? Oh, I can't. I, you know, da, da. Oh, so now we've touched your heart. Because the thing that's most difficult for you to give is the one that you're not wanting to give. It's really easy to give your money. Therefore, your value attached to it is significantly lower than your value attached to your time. This goes the other way, right? People who have a lot of time and don't have a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, I, this one get this one got me when it, when I realized, oh my gosh, in the years that I didn't have a lot of money, I was more than willing to give that hour of my time, but asked me to give 50 bucks and it was really, really hard. And I believe this is where Jesus was going when he talks about the widow with the mites, right? She gave everything she had when she gave two mites or two pennies because that was the most difficult thing for her to give. She could have gone to the priest and said, I'd like to volunteer my time for, for a month, right? And that would have been easier than giving two pennies. I'm not trying to manipulate you into earning your salvation or earning reciprocity. What I'm trying to do is encourage you that energy, energetically, the thing that is the most difficult for you to do is likely the thing that you probably should do. If you want to get the most out of these teachings, and it's really easy for you to just listen to them in the car and go home and listen, you know, come back and it, and your time is really valuable to you. It's probably really easy for you to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to send, I'm going to send a hundred bucks. I would appreciate that. That'd be great. But here's the point. I believe you'll actually get more out of it by saying, instead of listening to these teachings in your car, sit down and actually take time out of your day, right? Sit down and open up the Bible, open up Google and, and double check what I'm teaching, double check what I'm saying, and put time into listening and learning um, I've just said a whole bunch of stuff about, you know, the historical context of tithe and offering. I said, there's two room calculators online. Are you going to look those up? Is it important to you to know that? I'm not saying it, it should be or shouldn't be. What I'm saying is if your time is your most valuable asset, are you willing to sow it? Are you willing to sow that in order for you to become a better learner, you know, a more advanced individual? Um, and then vice versa. You might be able to, you might love sitting down and giving this thing all your time, but the moment I say, hey, would you consider donating? It doesn't even enter your mind that you would because, well, I don't have enough money. Why would I donate? I mean, I can listen to this podcast for free. I can promise you one thing. If you don't have a lot of money and you send 50 bucks, you're going to put more of your heart and more of your time and you're going to, the next podcast that comes out, you've been giving money to this thing, you're now going to 
just wait for your inbox to tell you that the next podcast is here because you've put value. You've put value that was more difficult for you to put. And the last one is obviously the commitment. So a lot of us, you know, time, money, you know, you may have some money, but not a ton. You may have some time, but not a ton. And so you find it's a bit, it's, it's a, it's fairly easy to give both of those. Those people tend to, I've, I've found those people tend to have a problem with the third category of value, which is your heart or your commitment because they're, you know, those are your white picket, like you've got your white picket fence, you've got your 2.5 kids, you've got your nine to five job, you go on vacation for two weeks a year, you have a decent sized Christmas, like you're, you have become the American standard. And because of that, the, uh, the temptation to kind of get yourself on coasting speed and just, I really like my life and I want this life for the next 30 years. Because that is often what happens in that scenario, you find that it's difficult to really put your heart and soul into anything because everything is kind of like, oh, this is good. You know, this is, I like it. It's fun. It's easy. And not that I'm saying you should go make yourself, your, your life miserable or tough on purpose, but letting your passion and your meditation of your heart uh, get put into something to say, actually, I'm not, because the reason you would put any value into anything is to increase it. So to put value into your spiritual journey, sure, you can give your money at, on the weekends or you can give your time on the soup kitchen but have you really, really spent time meditating on what, what the Father might actually want you to do individually? And wow, maybe he might want you to, to actually create a project or, or lead a missions trip down to Guatemala or whatever it is that your heart has found in a way to not really commit or, or connect. That one is the most subtle and that one's the most difficult to see from the outside. But I believe uh, in the end, that one's probably the foundation for the other two, which is your commitment and your heart and, and the things you meditate on. So the goal of this discussion and why it's in the front, I've already mentioned, is you know, this having this discussion about money on the front end of New Age Christianity and episode number five is to set the tone for really any intention of what what could be built. I was going to throw tithing as one of three subjects about what do we do with what do you do with tithing? What do you do with the Bible and what do you do with quote unquote the church as a as a structure? And my wife encouraged me she's like you're going to do those in one. <laughs> she said you might want to split those up into three cuz each one of those is a pretty big discussion. And I said yeah, you're right. So the next two will be on the Bible and the church. And kind of setting the tone again, um, these different lenses for what is Christianity, how do you revisit it, and how would how are main subjects thought of differently? At the end of this thing, I, I will say, hey, if you are finding value in this and you want to get more value out of this, then please consider donating. You know, money is arguably the easiest of the three to get to the heart of the matter because time is money. Commitment is money. You know, money does represent time. Money does represent your heart. Um, So if you want to take the easiest route to say, I want to sow value into this thing. I want 
the law of reciprocity to bring back to me more value out of the things I hear, then you'll, you know, if you do consider giving money, that would be greatly appreciated. But I want to end, you know, John Sheesby is one of my favorite uh, teachers on this subject because he does not mince his words. He's a, a grace teacher um, and he, I, he's like a papa. I mean, I just, I, there's, there's two teachers out there that I, when I see them, I just want to hug them is uh, John Sheesby and Graham Cook. They just have this, this way about their teaching that just sounds, it's just so grandfatherly. And when you get John Sheesby talking about tithing, he gets pretty fired up because he's convinced that if you can't get past this idea of tithing and you can't get past this idea of money being a prerequisite to righteousness, then you don't understand the gospel at all. And I agree. If you think that I'm standing here or sitting here and, and telling you to consider giving because that's how you get your righteousness or that's how you get favor with God or that's how you avoid uh, parking tickets, then you've like, you need some deliverance. You know, you need, you need someone to free you from those lies um, because that's bullshit. It really is. Money is about your energetic giving of value into something so that it can come back to you, that it can prove itself in you. I know I have many people that I've taught over the years that came and sat and listened and listened and listened and listened and listened and it never changed their life. And you know why? Because they never sowed the real value system. Some of it, some of them, it was money. Some of them, it was, it was heart. Some of them, it was time. You need to find the value system that matters most to you. And it's usually the one that's the most difficult for you to give. If you are super successful and super busy, then look at what it does in your heart. Just consider giving a half a day of your time and feel your heart freak out and go, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Exactly. Exactly. You value your time more than anything. If you don't have a lot of money and you think, what if I gave $500 to this project? It doesn't have to be new. What if I gave $500 to my friend to help them fix their car? Whatever it is. And feel your heart freak out. That's a good sign that that's the one you should probably give. If you want to get value out of that friendship, give that friend $500 and see what happens. You want to get value out of these teachings? Give these teachings your time and see what happens. I promise the law of reciprocity will not disappoint. So yeah, uh, please consider donating. The, the donation buttons are on newagechristianity.org. They are, there's a Facebook group. Um, I do apologize. I have intentions and I'm still working on getting uh, a private study group up and running. There'll be different subscription levels. Um, the holidays with between Thanksgiving and Christmas are really never the best time to launch a new project because you put a lot of work in and then people don't really come around till January. So realistically, I'm going to take my time and um, do those projects after the first of the year, uh, hopefully launch the first Sunday or the first weekend of the, of the, of the year. And uh, as well as, you know, some classes and even starting to consider authoring some books. And uh, at some point, 
we'll start a discussion about the community forum and and developing this thing beyond just my voice. So there's a lot going on, a lot that I believe the Spirit is leading. And hopefully today you've got some freedom from this the lie of tithing and the manipulation of money. Hopefully you've seen some principles. And here's the deal. Take away what it is that feels right to you. If you love tithing, I'm not telling you not to tithe. I am, I am encouraging you to look at the heart of it. I am encouraging you to examine the reciprocity that if money is easy for you, consider your time. If time is easy for you, consider your money. Um, only you know your heart. Only you know what the Spirit and you are talking about. But give. Give value to the things around you that you want to get more out of. And you will always receive uh, what you sow into. So those are the principles. And it goes well beyond passing the bucket and passing the plate in church. And uh, I love you guys. And look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. And have a good holiday if you don't hear from me again.